Welcome to the IAAI's CFITrainer.net podcast. This podcast features wildland fires and news stories on safe fire cigarettes, as well as research into the fire risk of lithium-ion batteries used in electric vehicles. Let's get started. So in June and July, the Wallow Fire became the largest wildland fire in Arizona history. The Wallow Fire burned for two months and consumed 538,049 acres at an estimated cost of $109 million. This type of spectacular destructive fire makes news headlines, but every year there are approximately 70 to 80,000 wildland fires in the United States. Most of these fires are small, and many are investigated by a local fire investigator. In most instances, the fire investigator is accustomed to seeing structure fires, which behave differently and typically have different causes than wildland fires. With us today to shed some light on the details of investigating wildland fires is a wildland fire expert and a past president of the IAAI, Tom Fee. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. To start off, you know, why is it important? that wildland fires be investigated? Well, it's important that all fires be investigated in order to save lives and protect property. It's also important that the cause of every fire be identified so that fires can be prevented. If we don't know what caused a fire, we won't know how to prevent it in the future. There's another issue here, too, and that's the intentionally caused fire by the arsonist. It's important that all arson fires be investigated to their full extent and the perpetrators held responsible for their crimes. So how do wildland fires differ from structure fires? Well, even though the basic sciences apply in both wildfires and structure fire investigation, some of the basic principles of fire science and fire dynamics differ in a wildfire. Fire development and spread is influenced by different factors. The main factor are the wildland fuels, the weather, the topography, and then, of course, the unconfined burning that occurs uh, in wildfires. There's also the fire weather to be considered. That's the winds which are created by the fire during the fire. Many wildfire fire patterns are unique to the fuel load and the surroundings. The investigator must be proficient in identifying recognizing and interpreting each of those patterns in order to competently establish fire origin and cause in any wildland fire situation. So what are some common causes of wildland fires? Well, some of the most common causes of wildfires are lightning, campfires, discarded smoking materials, spontaneous combustion, debris burning, incendiary or arson fires, Fires caused by equipment use, fires caused by railroad uh, equipment, adults or children playing with fire, the misuse of fire, campfires, and etc. cetera, uh, fireworks, electricity, electrical lines, gas drilling, spontaneous heating, sunlight refraction or reflection, the use of firearms, and the list goes on. I think for a lot of investigators, they're probably going, "Wow, uh, you know, how is that investigated? How do you how do you investigate a wildland fire?" Well, the first objective of a wildfire investigation would be to identify the area of origin. Uh, that initial area of origin or investigation can be determined from the first arriving fire uh, firefighters 
and or eyewitnesses. The firefighters and witnesses can usually verify the location and the size of the firing during its early involvement. Airborne personnel can make the same types of observations and sometimes have a valuable different perspective. Satellite or imaging tools can sometimes be helpful. These accounts are going to assist the investigator in narrowing down the search area. Sometimes the investigator can identify a classic V or U-shaped pattern, and that's usually commonly found close to the heel or the rear of the fire and becomes an indicator of fire travel direction as well as the area of origin. Then once the investigator's established that general area of origin, he or she should do a scene assessment. Walk the perimeter of the specific origin at least twice, once clockwise, once counterclockwise. And you do that before entering into this area of, uh, of, of origin. The investigator will then begin to look at the micro-scale fire indicators and the reading of those indicators will usually bring the investigator down to an even smaller area, sometimes 20 by 20 feet, if you're lucky, even down to 5 by 5 feet. And then contained within that specific origin area will be the precise location where the ignition source came into contact with the material first ignited and sustained combustion occurred. Physical evidence of the actual ignition source is likely to be located at or within close proximity to that point of origin. Oftentimes that's located through the process of gridding or conducting lane searches within that, that area of fire origin. That kind of sums up how the, the overall process brings you right down to your, your final opinion as to what caused this fire. What have you seen? as far as trends um, and changes and, and sort of the state of the state, what's going on out west? Well, I don't know that it's just out west. I think it's all over the United States, but there are more and more resources becoming available because of the large number of wildfires that have occurred over the past 10 years. Uh, local fire investigators are using mutual aid from surrounding departments. They're calling in their buddies to, to help in these investigations. They're also calling upon the, the county agencies within their states to assist them. They're using the state forestry departments within their states, and oftentimes even calling upon the U.S. Forest Service for assistance. In addition to that, the personnel and scientific laboratories of ATF and FBI assist when requested. And in some cases, uh, recently I, I noted in Texas, even FEMA is giving assistance with their national response team. So if I'm a young person going into the fire investigation field, a lot of opportunity uh, to get involved in wildfires, is it something where I could focus? I believe so. There's there's not a lot of people out there that specialize in wildland fire investigation. So I think there is a uh, an opening there for people who are interested, especially if they've had some background in fighting wild uh, wildfires, because you learn an awful lot about of the fire dynamics by being on a suppression crew and being out there on the front line and actually being able to see what what the fire does, what what effects the 
topography have and the weather has and the wind has. Uh, Very important. Thanks, Tom, for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. For investigators who are interested in further training on this topic, CFITrainer.net offers a full module on the investigation of wildland fires. Now let's turn our attention to fire-related items in the news. NFPA 1033, Standard for Professional Qualifications for Fire Investigators, establishes clear and concise job performance requirements for fire investigators and describes the specific knowledge and skills needed to meet these requirements. These job performance requirements are applicable to both public and private sector fire investigators. NFPA 1033 has entered the revision cycle and is now open for proposals to revise any portion of the document. Any interested party may submit a proposal and fire investigators are encouraged to participate in revising the document that sets the qualification standard for their profession. Proposals will be accepted until November 25, 2011. Each proposal will be individually and specifically addressed by the committee during committee meetings to be held in early 2012. The committee's actions will then be published in a report on proposals, which is scheduled to be issued in the spring of 2012. This podcast page includes links to information about the code development process, the NFPA Technical Committee document proposal form that must be used to submit a proposal for the revision, and the calendar for the full revision cycle that culminates in the publication of the next NFPA 1033 edition in 2014. As of July 2011, all 50 states have passed laws requiring that cigarettes be self-extinguishing. Suffolk University in Boston, Massachusetts has compiled a fire-safe cigarette research guide based on the archive of Massachusetts Congressman Joe Moakley, who was a longtime advocate of mandating the production of self-extinguishing cigarettes. The fire-safe cigarette research guide includes the legislative history of the self-extinguishing cigarette issue, oral histories, research studies, journal articles, and website links. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration has begun an $8.75 million study of whether lithium-ion batteries in electric vehicles pose a potential fire hazard when they are being charged and or when the vehicle is in an accident. Although no fires linked to the batteries have occurred in these situations, lithium-ion batteries in other devices have been recalled for fire risk. Currently, most gasoline electric hybrid vehicles use nickel-metal hydride batteries However, within 10 years, this will change significantly. It is projected that 70% of gasoline hybrids and all plug-in vehicles will use lithium-ion batteries by the end of the next decade. The research will continue through 2014. So this month in the IAAI News, if you're interested in becoming an instructor in the fire investigation field or looking to strengthen your instructor resume, in early September 2011, the International Association of Arson Investigators will be launching its new IAAI Certified Instructor Program. This program and its requirements are based on the NFPA 1041 Standard for Fire Service Instructor Professional Qualifications 2007 Edition. For information regarding the IAAI Certified Instructor Program, including specific program requirements and application protocols, go to the IAAI website under the Professional Credentialing tab. That concludes this IAAI CFITrainer.net podcast. Don't forget to check out the links on this podcast page for more information on this month's stories. We'll see you again next month.